Do something that makes you happy and smile. It's your holiday. It's your experience. You're the one that should live it. And enjoy it in your own time, at your own time, with people that you want that don't make you feel alone. My name is Kelly Edwards, and this is Let's Go Together, a podcast from Travel and Leisure. Our show is all about the ways travel connects us and what happens when you don't let anything stop you from seeing the world. A lot of us think of travel as an escape and a source of joy. I know I do. There's nothing I love more than setting off on my next adventure. Whether I'm in the cockpit flying myself to a remote island or sipping coconut juice on a white sandy beach. But sometimes, there's more to the picture. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, nearly one in five American adults has a mental illness. For those travelers, common conditions like depression and anxiety can be unwelcome stowaways on vacation. Today, we'll be talking about travel and mental health with someone who experiences these issues firsthand. My guest is Doug Ledden, a mental health advocate from Dublin, Ireland who hasn't let his challenges keep him from exploring the globe. Doug's story moved me in a very personal way. It helped me see mental illness in a new light and reflect on how I can be a better friend and fellow traveler to those who are suffering. I hope it helps you too. My name's Doug Ledden. I'm 31 years of age. Uh, I run and manage bars across Dublin. And I'm also a mental health advocate here in Ireland. Doug's been busy lately. He's organized local relief efforts during the coronavirus pandemic and just started a grocery delivery service. Not long before that, he launched a new bar. And last summer, he got married. He and his wife honeymooned in Bali. I think my most memorable uh, meal ever is a bit of a boring answer. And it's more of a personal thing in our first resort that we stayed in because it was our honeymoon they had laid out flowers down by a river and it was just amazing it was very magical the food was awesome uh, and it was just our first time eating a meal abroad as a married couple it was just exciting and what a way to do it lit by candles and down by a remote river it was just quite incredible it was an experience that earlier in his life, Doug could have never conceived of. Teenage Doug didn't, didn't think the world was going to be there for him in a couple of weeks and months. And that was just a, the harsh reality of what was going through my mind. So there's no way I could have thought about getting married or, or going on honeymoons or traveling the world and being excited for it. That just wasn't an option for teenage Doug. Uh, teenage Doug just honestly didn't think... He was going to be here in six months. Doug speaks very openly about his mental health today. But back then, it felt like a secret. A scary one. In school, he developed bulimia and was diagnosed with depression at the age of 16. He started taking antidepressants, but... No one ever knew. I didn't tell anybody. For years, it turned out. Doug had a lot of people fooled. So when people... Describe me, they probably said I was the life and soul of a party or I was the messer or the drunk or the, the crazy or the guy that's always willing to have a laugh because I always wanted other people to smile and laugh because I knew how bad it felt to feel so inside. And I didn't want anybody else to feel like that. Because he wanted to protect others, Doug struggled alone. 
He had supportive parents who made sure he got professional help when he needed it. But he made sure nobody beyond his therapist and his immediate family knew about his pain. How come I was living this, in my own mind, this deep, dark secret of depression, suicide, anger, hate on my own? How come it was only my mom and dad and my sister that knew? How come I never felt comfortable enough saying it to my best friend or a girlfriend or whoever, a stranger? Because I was ashamed. There wasn't a huge amount of talk around mental health in Ireland at the time. And I was embarrassed. One day in 2016, he found a reason to open up. A very good friend of mine's brother took his life. And we were sitting in the church in Dublin at this funeral of a young 20-year-old man, a lovely guy, a hero, whose life had just been cut too short. And the conversations afterwards outside the church were all about, if only we knew. If we knew what he was going through, maybe we could have helped. Imagine somebody could be going through that that we know, but we don't know. And I got back into my car that day, and that was the turning point for me. That was the day I knew that if I kept doing what I was doing, I was part of the problem. And from that moment on, I wanted to be part of a solution. So Doug found a friend. who's a videographer. And I said, I need to come over to your apartment and shoot a video. And he said, yeah, no problem. And this was quite a normal thing for me to do with him. He would shoot a lot of my videos for work, be it a, a cocktail making video or a marketing video or some kind of publicity stunt that we might be doing within the marketing or advertising world. This video would be different. No script, no special effects, one take. We feel as sufferers that if you opened up about your mental health issues, the people will want to run away. Depression is so well documented, but yet it's just not discussed. We feel that if we just push it into a corner, it'll go away and that's not gonna help you or me or the millions of other people that could suffer through this in silence. The first step to solving a problem is admitting there is one. So how can we expect to find an answer when we're still afraid of the question? Doug stands on his friend's apartment balcony and looks straight into the camera. Raindrops linger on the railing and tears hover just beyond his composure. But he says his piece. It was shot in 10 minutes. He cried. I cried a lot. But I remember he sent me the email with the video attachment. And I made him promise me he'd tell nobody what we recorded. And he sent me the email with the video attached and said, please don't waste this. Doug didn't. He posted the video on Facebook. Millions of people have seen and shared it. It's incredibly powerful. And I'm not going to lie, hearing Doug talk about making it brought me to tears. I I watched the video and it was so eye-opening for me because it served a lot of purposes. Um, First, to speak to, you know, others who go through depression like you have. And it was to speak to other people like myself, who have 
close friends who have said that they were depressed, but not necessarily understand it. I didn't know what was going to happen, but it was the best thing that's ever happened to me. It lifted a weight off my shoulders immediately. To see the response was overwhelming, petrifying, amazing, scary, tough, but it was incredible. It was a roller coaster of emotions, but it's made me the man I am today. And it's undoubtedly helped a huge amount of people. Doug's learned a lot about himself and how to manage his mental health over the years. That includes figuring out how to explore the world in a way that works for him. Because he loves the connections travel brings. Travel is about widening your experiences in life and getting a better understanding of how other people live and that you get to see places that you've dreamt of or seen in movies or read about. And I just love the idea of being able to see something with my own two eyes and witness it and feel it and engage in the community. Like the time he was visiting Morocco during Ramadan with a friend and a shopkeeper invited them over for a meal to break the fast. He owned a little corner shop down on the promenade and uh, I'd gone in a couple of times just to pick up a few trinkets and bottles of water here and there and just built a nice relationship with him over a couple of days, a week maybe. And then one evening he invited me in his, to his house, to his family home, to have food. And they had no English other than small words. And obviously I only speak English and a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of Irish. So it was just more communication to our hands and eyes. They had a, a rug on the floor and all the food you ate with your hands was in bowls. But I had no idea what I was eating. I still don't know. It was trying like bits of fish, but I had no idea. And it was just put this in your mouth and just hope it tastes nice. It was just a nice moment. We were there for possibly two hours and just enjoyed our time. I can relate. I've had some beautiful experiences sharing meals and connecting with people I meet on my travels. But Doug's had to overcome a lot to enjoy being away from home. We'll get into that after the break. Welcome back to Let's Go Together from Travel and Leisure. I'm talking to Doug Ledden, a mental health advocate from Ireland who loves to travel. It wasn't always this way. He used to find going places extremely difficult due to a childhood trauma that happened during one of his first big trips. He was around 11 years old when he went to Cyprus with a friend's family. And when I was over there, I was having a great time for the first like four or five days. And then whatever way I was speaking to my mom and dad at nighttime on the phone, I could sense that something was wrong. And upon returning, I discovered that my granddad had passed away and I had missed the funeral. From then on, he associated travel with worries that something awful would happen. On a school trip to France a few years later, he got so anxious he wound up in the hospital his mom had to come over from Ireland to bring him home. Every time I travelled, was just going to be this nightmare situation. I wouldn't sleep for weeks. And that took years. It took until I was about 19 to learn how to deal with travelling and to learn how to cope. And there's not one magic secret that allowed me to travel, but it was just a combination of everything with my doctors and my, 
my friends and being open and just learning to cope with the the anxiety of going away and something happening back home. One thing that helps Doug stay calm on the road is just knowing himself. Understanding what situations stress him out and planning his trips to avoid them. I've learned over the years that traveling to big cities and fast-paced moving places isn't ideal for me. I get short-tempered and my wife would get upset and I get upset and we'd have an argument. Ideal holidays for me are a week long, a place that has a nice pool, a place that has maybe a market. The people are nice, they're friendly. It's kind of familiar territory to me. Maybe I've been there before. Maybe I know the place really well, or maybe it's come highly recommended from friends. And I have a good rough idea of the lay of the land. And a holiday for me that is a complete nightmare is big city, big lights, more than a week, isolated in that one place, staying in a hotel room, kind of enclosed, kind of confined spaces that just wouldn't, doesn't work for me. So when I'm planning a holiday with my wife, I really do have to kind of steer us in a direction that I know I'm going to be happy with, but also that she would be too. You said that for you, depression is a bad headspace where I'm not entirely sure who I am and I overthink, overworry, and overanalyze every situation. How does that impact your travel experiences and What things have you found helpful to combat those feelings? So when I'm flying, the things that gave me most anxiety and fear was the stress of an airport. Is my bag going to be overweight? Would I get charged extra? Am I going to be late for my flight? What happens if I didn't remove my liquids or the batteries from my bag? Will I get stopped at security? Am I going to miss my flight then? Will the plane be full? Will I have space in the overhead bin to put my bag? Will my medications get lost? Will my bag get lost on the other side? All these things manifested. A normal person doesn't think about these things constantly. And I've learned to deal with it a bit better. And if that means arriving to the airport an hour earlier than you should be, so be it. If that gives you a little bit more peace of mind, spend the hour. If you can afford to pay a couple of euro or dollars to fast track through security, and that helps ease your anxiety well then that's the best four or five euro going to spend that day don't buy a coffee on the other side if it means adding an extra 20 euros to your cabin allowance spend the extra 20 euro if you can afford to it's the little adjustments that you make that will suppress the overall worry for me i'm more of a carry-on girl but the point is is that we have as travelers those same anxieties so if you have another underlying condition I'm sure that's excruciating. So yes, getting there three hours before ahead of time, good idea. I'd never travel without my medication. I split it into two bags. I have some in my carry-on and some in my suitcases, just in case one of them goes missing. And I always bring my prescription as well and a photo of it. And other than that, I'm not a difficult packer. I throw everything into a bag and hope for the best when I get there. In my head, uh, as long as I have my medication, my phone, my passport and my wallet, then anything else is available to me no matter where I am. And nothing's that urgent or nothing's that important in life. Speaking of what's important and being in the moment, I wanted to talk to Doug about social media and the role it plays in our travel experiences. You said uh, of your teenage years, 
People with depression are great actors. They're so determined not to be found out. So for many of us now with social media, there's this pressure to show how much fun we're having, especially while we're traveling and on vacation, you know, getting that perfect sunset photo or doing things for Instagram. Do you feel more pressure to act the part when you're traveling, even if you've been dealing with heightened symptoms of depression? And if so, how do you deal with that? Well, first of all, I can't imagine what it's like growing up as a 13-year-old now, surrounded by Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and whatever else. It's it's a scary world. I was fortunate enough not to have that, but I have it now in my life. For me, it's important to realize that Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat, they're just people's highlight reels. They're showing you the good stuff. They're never going to show you the bad stuff. Never forget that. People have the same struggles no matter who they are, no matter how rich or how poor they are. People go through the same things. We're all human. We all have the same worries, anxiety, bad days and good days. So you can't be comparing yourself to someone else's nine by nine photograph on Instagram or whatever it is, four by four. That's not a healthy way to live. And it's important to put down your phone and not constantly scroll through the news feed. Enjoy your holiday. Enjoy the moment that you're in. Take your photographs. Don't be afraid to post them. Be proud of posting them. But don't compare yourself to someone else. I couldn't agree more with that. I couldn't agree more. Um, Transparency is very important. And it's very important in travel because, you know, we, we think of travel as a form of escapism and the perfection and the and the beauty in it but let's just be real most of the time when you're traveling there's bound there's something bound to come up that wasn't the best um and a lot of people who travel i know for me sometimes it is definitely a form of escapism and i've learned that people who follow me and know my story they feel more inspired when i talk about you know my struggles of learning to fly an airplane or you know traveling as a solo female traveler in some of the sketchy situations i've been in so you're right transparency is important in your highlight reel because that's just more of a true statement to who that person is scrolling through doug's instagram you can see him swinging through the lush green jungle and scuba diving with sea turtles in Bali, running international half marathons to raise awareness about Crohn's disease, and speaking to audiences about mental health. What advice do you have for people who have a mental health condition and want to travel? To go at your own pace, to do what you want to do, not to be led by others, and to do something that makes you happy and smile. It's your holiday. It's your experience. You're the one that should live it. And to enjoy it in your own time, at your own time, with people that you want that don't make you feel alone. What can friends and family do to be allies to people in our lives who suffer from mental health issues and or depression? That's a really good question, Kelly. Um, I suppose exactly what you said earlier in relation to what my worries are about going to the airport, they're kind of like everybody's worries. So if you know someone's suffering with anxiety or depression and travel is scaring them, then you kind of know what the worries they're going to face are. 
it's not rocket science. It's just day-to-day life. So if you think that they're worried about missing a flight, well, get them there earlier. Don't be fighting with them on the time you arrive. Just go with it. If it's a case of getting extra baggage and it's a fight over, we don't need it. We do need it. If you have it, just get it. It's it's being an ally with them, knowing the day-to-day anxieties that a normal person has traveling. What would help alleviate that fear if you suffered with anxiety or depression? And if you ask yourself that question, well, then there's no wrong answer because you'd know what you'd need to do to ease that anxiety for yourself. I'm definitely going to keep that advice in mind and try to see some of these everyday travel hassles through Doug's eyes. His story inspired me so much. As travelers, each of us deals with different issues, and he shows that you don't have to let depression, anxiety, or other mental health concerns keep you from exploring the world. Talk to supportive friends and family about how you're feeling, and work with a therapist to develop a plan that helps you feel safe hitting the road. And if you or someone you love is having suicidal thoughts, reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. And that's all for this episode of Let's Go Together, a podcast by Travel and Leisure. You can find Doug on Instagram and Twitter at Doug Ledin. That's L-E-D-D-I-N. I'm your host, Kelly Edwards. Thanks also to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Eliza Lambert, Susie Armitage, Lena Beck-Sillison, and Cheryl Duvall. This show was recorded in Los Angeles, edited in New York City, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Catch you next time on Let's Go Together. You can find out more at travelandleisure.com slash podcast. You can find Travel and Leisure on Instagram at Travel and Leisure, on Twitter at Travel Leisure, and on TikTok at Travel and Leisure Mag. And you can find me at Kelly Set Go, and that's Kelly with two E's on the end.